listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. So today on the broadcast, I'm going to... uh, teach on something. I don't know if I've ever taught on this before, but I'm going to teach on seven dangerous lies about fasting, seven dangerous lies about fasting. And, um, I want you to uh, take notes on this. I'm going to, I'm going to bust up some of the, the myths and lies that you often hear about fasting. Sadly, in Western Christianity, fasting kind of uh, it just isn't as prevalent as it should be in the church. You have people that are, um, uh, they either speak negatively about it or they, they, they brush it aside like it's not that big of a deal or like the people that, are, that do it are these like out there, you know, nut, nut job, uh, fanatic Christians that are, you know, it's, it, you know, all these things you hear about it. I'm going to break up some of those things today. We're going to look at it from the word of God and I'm going to answer these questions, which need to be answered before we begin. The reason being, sometimes these lies uh, will actually keep people from fasting or stop you, that you'll break your fast early, these things get in your mind, and then you disengage. And that's not what we want to see happen. So we're going to cover those. I'll take any questions you have today, because this is the last time we'll be live until Sunday night when we begin the fast. So at the end of the broadcast today, I'm going to take some questions. If you have questions, you can put them up during, during the broadcast, but uh, if you want to, if you're taking notes, you want to just write them down, we'll take time at the end for questions and answers. So I want to, um, I want to start with what I would consider to be a foundational uh, question about fasting that I believe this is, this is one of the biggest lies that the church has believed and swallowed. <clears throat> Uh, over the last 100, 200 years or more about fasting. And, uh, and that is this, number one, the, the belief that fasting is optional. I, I want you to put that in, as number one and write it down in your notes and understand this from, this has to be the baseline. Some Christians, and probably many, think fasting is optional. It is not. We're going to cover that in just a minute. Uh, Marjorie said, what are your thoughts on a six to six fast? That is a biblical fast that we see in the book of Judges and elsewhere. Um, I know there are people who are doing the six to six fast. And I'm glad you asked that because I wanted to address something uh, before we begin fasting. Uh, What we're calling you to, if you're able, is, and most people are, I would say 90 some percent of people are able to do this. We're calling you to a 21 day fast with no eating of any kind for 21 days. We're taking in liquids, that's coffee, that's tea, that's juice, that's water, uh, plenty of water, those kinds of things. Uh, Soup broth, bone broth, those kinds of things. Just no solid foods. Uh, If you're able, and most people are able, to fast, do the entire 21 days with us. Uh, If you work some kind of strenuous uh, manual labor job where you're expending a ton of energy, every single day, like a construction worker or something like that. I totally understand if you're doing the six to six fast and I'm not condemning you if you're doing it, it's a biblical fast, but 
Let me say this, so that it is actually you giving something up to God. If you're going to do the six to six fast, because anybody, we've encouraged, if there's children that want to get involved, like my, if my daughter who's going to be 12 wants to get involved, that's what I would recommend she do because she's still growing. She still needs nutrition. And um, so if you want to do a couple meals a day and then eat at night, but let me encourage you, if you're doing the six to six fast to only drink water through the day, really give that time to God. Don't be flipping about it because it's easy. If you're eating every night, it's easy to just start getting flipping about the fast. If you're going to do six to six, don't be drinking lattes all day and mochas and frappuccinos and drink water, pray, study the word, and then, you know, break your fast at 6 PM, but be serious about it. Take it serious. And, uh, because it is serious. And the first thing we're covering today of the seven is that people think fasting is optional. They think fasting is optional. It is not optional. It is something that is an expectation of Jesus. Jesus had this expectation for his followers. And, um, if you have this book, which is a complete guide, uh, to biblical fasting, there's a chapter that I wrote that's entitled is fasting necessary for new Testament believers? Because there's people that's old Testament, brother, you're getting into that fast. That, that is, that's old Testament stuff. But here's the thing. It's not old Testament because fasting continued into the new Testament. Uh, it was done by the apostles. It was done by the early church. History even shows us that, uh, the early church beyond the apostles fasted two days, every single week, two days, every single week. Um, but I want to read, uh, something that Jesus said to you when he was questioned about his disciples, not fasting when he was with them, Matthew nine 15, uh, the, the Pharisees came or the, and, and those that were, um, uh, that were John's disciples. And they said, how come the Pharisees fast and John's disciples fast, but your disciples don't fast. And Matthew nine fifteen was his answer. He said, Je and Jesus said unto them, can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them and then they will fast. So notice what he said. He didn't say, well, then they might fast when I'm gone. No, he said, they're not fasting now because I'm here with them. We're celebrating, but there's a, there's a day coming where I'll leave. And then my followers, my disciples, they will fast. They will fast. So you can see it's an expectation of Christ for his children to fast. Well, if, if it's his expectation, if he said they will, we can't say we won't, <laughs> right? If Jesus said that we will, we can't say we won't. It's his expectation. We are his servants. We are his disciples. And so I'm, I'm here in Matthew chapter six and Jesus speaks about fasting in his sermon on the Mount. And the Bible says in Matthew six, verse 16, notice this. And when you fast, look at that. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. 
But when you fast, again, it's when, not if. He says two times now, when you fast, not if you fast, when. He expected it. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who's in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. So, and again, that's Matthew 6, 16 through 18. He said, when you fast, when you fast, he said, I'll be taken away and then my disciples will fast. So it's not optional for any of us as Christians, as the disciples of Christ, it's not optional for us whether or not we'll fast. We don't get to choose, but we have to do it at some point in our lives. And it's not something we do once in our lives. It's something we do throughout our lives. I actually would encourage you to look at, you know, as you're reading, I give you some of the history uh, there's a there's a document that we can see from history called the Didache, the extra biblical writings of the apostles. The you know things that were not inspired by God. They're not in the Scripture, but they're historical writing, and they give us some uh, context of what the early church was doing. And that's where I told you it's recorded in there that the Christians of the early church were fasting two days every single week, Wednesday and Friday. They fasted Wednesday and Friday every single week. So you can see they didn't think, you know, uh, you know, I'll just do this if I feel like it. Maybe I'll do it once in January. That's not how they viewed it. They viewed it as so important that I'm going to do this every single week. Well, part of the reason for that is because the Pharisees, they fasted two days a week. And I think it's kind of funny because uh, in, in the Didache, if you read the writings of the apostles, they say they reference the, the Pharisees as the hypocrites, like Jesus did here in Matthew 6. Don't fast like the hypocrites do. And they said, we're going to be fasting on Wednesdays and Fridays so as to not fast on the same days as the hypocrites. I think theirs was like Monday and Thursday. So he said, we're not going to fast on the same days as the hypocrites, but they were still doing it two days every week. So that will show you how they viewed their dedication to God. The early church that turned the world upside down, they weren't looking at fasting and prayer as some small little thing that they did once in their lifetime or once, once a year. This is something that they felt was important to do weekly. And they engaged in that kind of dedication, a weekly two 24-hour fasts every single week. So they weren't consecutive days. So it wasn't like they did, you know, Tuesday and Wednesday together. They were two separate 24-hour fasts. And, and so the reason I wanted to start with that one lie, that fasting is optional, is because this is why many Christians have never fasted in their life. They think, well, you know, that's not something that you have to do. You know, it's good to if you want to. But, but what does the flesh nature do? The flesh nature doesn't want to do those things. Who, whose flesh wants to not eat? <laughs> there's, no, there's no carnal nature in the world. Uh, there's no carnal nature in the world uh, that wants to do those things. So, uh, of course not. Of course, you're not going to want to fast. But see, if you think it's optional, then your flesh takes over and says, well, you know, I don't, I'll, I'll pray, but I don't quite feel like fast. That's not the key. Aaron says, why not two days in a row? Um, well, first of all, they wouldn't have fasted Thursday and Friday because again, remember their goal. We don't want to fast on the same days 
as the hypocrites do. And so they just took two separate days and took those days to fast. Maybe, I don't know why they, they split it up. They just did. And um, they definitely didn't want to be on the same days as the Pharisees, though. And they list that in, in their writings. So number one, uh, we have to understand that this is a command and an expectation of Jesus. Once we understand that, it changes the perspective of what fasting is. And we, we all realize, man, my, maybe my dedication needs to go to another level. Maybe I need to be somebody that really goes to another level in my uh, seeking of, of God's face. I understand that. A lot of people are there. I've been there. And you, you get this feeling in your spirit. It's time to step it up to another level. It's time to go to another level in, in my dedication to God. That's a good thing. That shouldn't make you sad. It should make you glad because you feel that conviction to go higher. And so that's the key. So that's number one is that fasting is optional. It's not optional. That is a lie that keeps people from fasting and also causes people to break their fasts early. The second lie I want to cover today is this lie that's been taught widely. This is a widely taught lie throughout Christianity is that you can engage in fasting by simply giving something up. That's not fasting. That's, that's lie number two. Fasting is not giving something up. And I want to cover that because before we start our fast, we want to be clear about what fasting is and what it's not. It's definitely not giving something up. We hear that a lot. Well, you know, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be giving up social media during this time. Good, but you should also fast. It's good. We talked about distractions yesterday, that it's a good thing to give up distractions, cut off the streaming services, cut off the social media, cut off the browsing of the internet and all that stuff. That's good. It's good to cut out distractions and time wasters, but that's not fasting. That's not fasting. Well, I'm giving up chocolate. Well, I'm giving up sugar. Well, I'm giving up coffee. Well, that's good, but that's not fasting. That's not what fasting is. I'm fasting coffee. I'm fasting. That's, that's not fasting. The Hebrew word for fasting is the word to psalm, which means to close or cover the mouth. Every picture that we have in the Bible of God's people fasting, every picture, is God's people not eating food. That's what fasting is. It's what it's always been. And we can't change that. You can't say, well, you know what, I'm, this is how I'm going to engage. I used to joke people and say this. If, if getting off social media or getting off TV was truly a fast, then everyone in the Bible did that for their entire life. Because <laughs> there was no social media and there was no uh, streaming services. You can't just pick and choose. It's like, it's like when people say, um, you know, I've, I've been tithing 7%. Well, no, you're not tithing 7% because tithe in and of itself means 10%. <laughs> tithe means 10%. So you can't say I'm tithing 7% in the same way you can't just say I'm fasting Facebook. I'm fast. It's like, no, that's not fasting. You're just eliminating a time waster. That's not a bad thing. It's good but actually engage in fasting as well, which means we push the plate away and we seek the face of God. That's exactly what we're doing. So this lie that fasting is just giving something up, as somebody wrote in the comments, it's not Lent. <laughs> this isn't Lent. Exactly right. It's not Lent. We're not just giving something up. Fa fast 
means to close the mouth, to cover the mouth. We are not eating food. And when you look through all of the biblical examples, so in this book right here, I cover the chapter, uh, which I think was very important. What is biblical fasting? What is biblical fasting? We cover it from a historical standpoint, all of the, uh, all the scriptures. Caitlin said, if that was the case, Carolyn would fast folding laundry. Oh, how well you know her. <laughs> I'm fasting folding laundry. Um, but the key is fasting is not eating. And so we, we deal with that, that whether you're looking in the Old Testament or whether you're looking in the New Testament, all of the people who fasted were not eating food. That's how, that's what fasting is. You can't change the definition. And so, um, we're not now there are, I will say there are kinds of fasts. There's, there's something called the total fast, which you can't do for 21 days. That's when you don't eat or drink anything. And the longest, the longest, um, example of the, we have of that in the Bible is three days. I mean, done by human power, three days, the book of Esther, they're, fa- they're literally fasting for their lives. The Jews were going to be exterminated uh, if this plot went through. And Esther told them, have everybody fast and don't eat or drink anything for three days. And so that's the longest example. I don't think you can use the example of uh, Elijah or Moses who went 40 days in the presence of God or by supernatural sustenance because it's not the same thing. You can't go without water for 40 days. So we're not doing a total fast during these 21 days. We are taking in liquids and plenty of them. Water, you can drink plenty of water. Tea, add electrolytes to your water. Have your coffee, that's all right. That's all right. Uh, Have some juice, you know, have some bone broth, have some soup broth if you need to, that's fine. Liquids are fine. We're just not eating solid food. But this whole thought that I'm just, uh, it's just, you know, what are you giving up during this time? It doesn't crucify the flesh. It doesn't do one of the things fasting is meant to do. Doesn't crucify the flesh. You cannot watch all the TV you want and your flesh be just as strong as before you started. You can cut out every television show, you can cut out all movies and social media, and your flesh can be just as strong when you finish as when you started. Because those are not what fasting is. And so, to be very clear, we are giving up food for 21 days. I know that's, that's not how it's framed to many American and Western Christians, but that's what fasting is. Um, number three, and this goes right along with it, um, and I, I do want to make mention of this because it's been so prevalent, we are not, quote unquote, Daniel fasting. And people say, well, what? if you're not familiar with the Daniel fast, you know, it's the no meats, no sweets, you know, it's like no bread, people aren't doing it. But first of all, the Daniel fast is not a fast. And I know that's, that is literally uh, so controversial to people, but that's why I wrote a chapter in this book entitled The Danger of the Daniel Fast. And we examined it at length. Was Daniel even doing a Daniel fast? No. In fact, during those 21 days where he ate, ate no pleasant bread and he ate no meat, the Bible never once says, and Daniel doesn't say, that he was fasting. That's Daniel 10. If you go back one chapter to Daniel chapter 9, it's very interesting. In fact, go there with me. Um, 
And if you're wondering what, what is number three, number three is the Daniel fast is not a fast. The Daniel fast is not a fast. So we want to do what we want to do, what is commanded in scripture. It's true, Paula. Yeah, that's why I call it the Daniel diet, Hannah. She said, it's like a diet. That's why I call it that because truly that's what it is. But let's look at it because nowhere in that time does the Bible call what Daniel was doing a fast? Nowhere. Nowhere. And the 21 days that Daniel spent waiting for an answer, first of all, here's something to think about. First, Daniel did not plan to go for 21 days. That's just how long it took before his answer came. He would have gone 50 days, 100 days. He was just waiting for an answer from God. Just waiting for an answer from God. But he never planned to go 21 days. It just happened to be what it was. And he wasn't fasting. He was still eating. And I asked this question for those that um, you've, you've read this. I asked the question, if Daniel was truly fasting, if that was really a fast, what he did for those 21 days, why was that not replicated anywhere in Scripture? Why did no other person in the Old or New Testament do what he did? Because it wasn't a fast. However, here's what's interesting. If you go back one chapter, you know what you're going to find? Is that Daniel, when he discovered the prophecies of Jeremiah, actually did fast in the, in the chapter before chapter 10. Listen to this. He said in verse three, this is Daniel nine, three. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord, my God, and made my confession saying, Oh Lord, the great and awesome. And then it lists his prayer. But notice in the ninth chapter, how he, uh, once he discovered the prophecies of Jeremiah about the people of uh, you know, about the Jews, it, it, it brought such urgency in his spirit, such mourning. He began to fast and pray. So in the ninth chapter, it does say he fasted, but in the 10th chapter, when he went for 21 days with no meat and no sweets, it doesn't say he fasted because he wasn't fasting. He wasn't fasting, nor in Daniel chapter one, when he and the other elite young men are brought to the capital in captivity, uh, to be trained by the King and by the King's people. Uh, the reason that they didn't eat the king's meat nor drink the king's wine was not because they were fasting. They went that way for what? Three years, six years? What was it? It's not because they were fasting. It's because as a Jew, Daniel was not sure whether or not the king's meat had been number one, properly drained of blood. And if it hadn't been, then because of the Mosaic law, he would never have been able to eat that. And number two, had that meat been previously offered to idols, which again, if it had, it would have been out of bounds for Daniel to eat that meat. Under the Mosaic law, they were not to eat any meat that was offered to idols previously or not hadn't been fully drained of blood. And rather than take that chance, Daniel just said, I would rather err on pleasing the Lord than I would take a chance on the king's meat and wine. And so we love you too, Jess. And Gerard, <laughs> have a happy new year. Um, 
And so uh, that's what he was doing in chapter one. And in chapter 10, he's waiting for an answer to prayer. But in chapter nine, he truly does fast. How does he do it? By not eating anything, by not eating anything. So that's what fasting is. So number one, we understand fasting is not optional. Number two, we understand fasting is not just giving something up, an item, a show, social media, chocolate, sugar, coffee. That's not what fasting is. It is not eating. So again, number three, the Daniel fast is not a fast. It's something that's been made up by Christians that don't want to actually fast. They don't want to actually fast. In fact, as, as someone was saying in the comments, I've said this often, wrote it in the book. It, it seems as though there's this weird Daniel fast subculture in Christianity that they're so excited. I mean, all you have to do, if you want to find out about this, just do some Googling for Daniel fast recipes. I'm not even joking. You'll laugh. Literally, you will laugh. If you see some of these things that you can eat, full meals, you can gain weight on the Daniel fast. No lie. You absolutely can. You could eat a whole bag of Tostitos chips and still have not broken the Daniel fast. I'm not lying to you. That's absolutely true. So it's, it's important to understand what fasting is. So those three things that we, we cover first, very important to know. Now, let's go on, let's go on a bit further. One of the lies that... I often hear is that people look in fasting and say, well, all that does, all fasting does is get your flesh under control. All fasting does is subdue your flesh. All fasting does is weaken your flesh. That's not true. That's not true. If people think that all fasting does is weaken your flesh, then you, uh, Yeah. Amy said, I've I've been a Christian a long time. Never heard about this teaching. Where can I get more information? A book? Yes. These two books are available. This is a complete guide to biblical fasting. And this is the brand new 21 day uh, fast field guide. Both of them are available on Amazon, on Kindle and Apple books. And so this thought process, and I've heard it before. I've heard it plenty of times before. All fasting really does is subdue the flesh. All fasting really does is weaken the flesh. Not true. Fasting is not just a natural discipline. It's not what it is. That's one of the things it does. That's one of the things it does. But it is not by any means the only thing it does. Fasting has many more benefits than just subduing the flesh. And in fact... Um, in this book, uh, at the, where's it at? At the very end, last chapter, right before the prayer points, uh, I, I do a chapter called the supernatural benefits of fasting and prayer, the supernatural benefits of fasting and prayer on top of the fact that I take a whole chapter where we ask the question, what will fasting do to my body? And I'll talk about that in a minute, but there are supernatural benefits to prayer. You know, when I, when I was studying that same passage, Matthew chapter six, it indicates Jesus himself indicates that when we fast and when we pray things in the spirit realm will change. Look at the passage again, Matthew six verses uh, 16 through 18. He said, 
when you fast, see, here's what Jesus is teaching against. Don't make your fasting seen by men. We're not fasting for a human approval. You know, that's what the hypocrites, the, the Pharisees were doing. That when they would fast, they would disfigure their faces and they'd go around and everybody would see how dis, you know, how, oh, I'm so tired. I've been fasting before the Lord. That's, we're not doing it to gain the approval of men in the same way that he said, don't, when you pray, go out and pray these long prayers in the, in public. So everybody can see what a great person of prayer. He said, don't do that's what the Pharisees do. You've got your reward. If people see you acting like that, that's your reward. But go behind closed doors and pray in private. And then what does he say? What your father sees in private, he'll reward openly. He'll reward openly. Same with uh, fasting. He said, do it behind closed doors. He said, don't let it be seen by others, but by your father who's in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So notice this. Is Jesus indicating here? that the only benefit of fasting is subduing your flesh? Or is Jesus indicating that when you fast and pray, the Father in heaven will see your dedication and will openly reward you spiritually for what you're doing in dedication to him? That's what he's saying. You know, you look at um, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. The Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And they that come to God must believe that he exists and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So notice, for people who are diligently seeking God, God's going to reward them. So you can't say that, well, all fasting really does, brother, is just it subdues your... No, it doesn't. It's a supernatural discipline that has supernatural benefits that come with it. And when we fast and when we pray... We are seeking the face of God diligently. And when we diligently seek him, guess what happens? He rewards those that diligently seek him. And so you should expect, one of the things that you should expect as we fast and pray is to receive supernatural rewards from God. Say, brother, that sounds awfully selfish. I'm not fasting and praying to receive rewards from God. I am because that's what the Bible promised would happen. Why would I want to uh, contradict what the Bible said would be my outcome if I fast and pray? God's the one who set up the system. Should I be embarrassed to engage his system and receive his blessings for doing what he commanded? No. Can you imagine saying, because think about this. Can you imagine Can you imagine if you're like, you know, I do want to confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, but you know, I don't want to be saved. I don't want to, I don't, I'm not doing it for that purpose. I'm not doing it, you know, to be redeemed. I just want to be able to do the, no, it's, it's your side and God's side. Why would you want to push salvation away though you are confessing with your mouth, Jesus as Lord, believing in your heart, God raised him from the dead and continuing on with fruits of righteousness. But I don't want the salvation. Why? That's foolishness. And in the same way, it's foolish for us to say, well, I'd love to fast and pray. I just don't want God to feel like he has to reward. He promised he would reward you. He promised that he would uh, bless you and do supernatural things in your life. Now, here's a great question from Scott Novak. He said, where does the corporate fast come in when we are to fast in secret? 
Okay. So I cover this in the book as well because one of the, in fact, let me, let me read it to you because I put this in the frequently asked questions, uh, section, uh, of the end of the book, because these are the questions people ask all the time, Scott, and it's a great question. So somebody asks, um, should I keep my fast a secret? Which is, that's essentially what Scott's asking. Jesus taught to fast in secret, but what do we do when it's a corporate fast, when everybody's on it? So let me just read to you what I wrote here under that question. A common concept taught among Christians is that you must keep your fast a total secret or risk losing your spiritual reward. I've seen this take awkward turns in conversation and sometimes border on lying. This is a misrepresentation of what Jesus taught during his famous Sermon on the Mount. And then I quote the scripture that we're referencing, Scott. And I write in this passage, Jesus isn't swearing his followers to secrecy. He's making a point that you shouldn't parade your fasting around to gain the attention of others. It's a deadly form of pride and it makes fasting and prayer worthless. However, there may be times you have to explain why you're not eating. You don't have to be prideful or religious about it. Also, there might be occasions when your church calls a corporate fast, which is what we're doing now, where everyone joins for a certain period of time. We often do this at the beginning of each year, which we're doing now. Obviously, during a corporate fast, everyone will be aware that the others are fasting. So you're not forfeiting your reward in these instances. The most important thing to remember is that you should never flaunt your fasting in front of others to look more holy or more spiritual. That kind of pride will cause you to lose your reward. So in context, Jesus is truly teaching them, don't run around announcing it to everybody. I, I'd come out to eat with you guys too. I'm just in the middle of a fast right now. You know, don't be that guy. You know, don't be that guy. But understand, we're all on it together, Scott. So all of us here in the Victory Tribe, and if you're in the private Facebook group, and we all know we're fasting. It's, it's what we're doing corporately. It's more about the prideful way that you present it to the public. It's not that you have to lie if someone asks you. I mean, I've seen that. Um, you know, people are like, well, are you on a fast? Well, you know, I, uh, I'm just really, I'm not hungry. <laughs> it's like, no, you're hungry. <laughs> are you on a fast? Well, you know, I'm just, I'm at this moment in life, I'm not eating at this time. It's like, just tell the person, yes, I can't come out to eat with you. I'm fasting right now. It's not going to make you lose your reward. Jesus doesn't want you to lie for his glory. Just tell them the truth and move on, right? And so uh, you don't lose your reward, Scott. And it's a great question. And it's one that comes in often. And so that's why we put it in the frequently asked questions section. Um, we have to realize this though, because um, it's more than just subduing your flesh. It really is. There are, and that's why this, this chapter, the supernatural benefits of fasting, so vital. Because as I write in the very beginning, once you understand the why of fasting, the why behind what we're doing, it changes everything. Because if you go on to an extended fast and you think all that you're doing is subduing the flesh, I promise you, because I've been there, you'll get to a place where you're like, okay, it's subdued enough. <laughs> That's exact. you'll get right there. All right, two meals in, it's subdued enough, I'm ready for dinner. <laughs> That's exactly what'll happen. Because you'll be like, well, if that's the only purpose, you know, because that's relative. How subdued should your flesh be? You know, how subdued do you want it to be? What makes it subdued? How much weight do you have to lose before it's fully subdued? I mean, these are the questions that you're going to ask yourself. 
Like, oh, I, I feel like it's pretty subdued at this point. I'm, I'm ready for a cheeseburger. And, and, and you understand that's not the only purpose. So when you truly get in front of your site, what is the point? What is the purpose? What is the why behind my fasting? And we start this book with 10 reasons to fast and pray. 10 biblical reasons to fast and pray so that you get the why in front of you from the very beginning. And then we go on with the spiritual benefits of fasting, which gives you even more reason to fast. And then, as I said, it's not just subduing the flesh, but at the same time, um, it does subdue the flesh, but it's not the only thing it's doing. Expect supernatural things to happen. Expect supernatural breakthroughs in your life as you fast and pray. And then, then let me say this. The next one, uh, let's see, where are we at? Number five, one, two, three, four, five. The fifth lie that we have to get past, because you'll have plenty of people that'll tell you this. Well, you better be careful. You better be careful fasting for 21 days like that. You'll hurt yourself. You're going to hurt yourself. You're not going to hurt yourself. Fasting is not bad for your body. It is good for your body. I want you to get that in your spirit. First of all, God instituted fasting and he's the creator of your body. Do you think God is going to create something for your body that's harmful for it? No. Fasting, and now, it's not just my opinion. You know, it's, it's not my opinion. Um, one of the things that I want you to understand is that doctors, hospitals, our researchers are finding that there are so many benefits, physical benefits, outside of the spiritual benefits. So many benefits to fasting. Marjorie said, in a corporate fast, do you need to stay with only one corporate body? The church you attend and the Victory Tribe, I ask because usually there's a banner declarations over the prayer. Uh, no, you, you can fast. I mean, you're part of the body of Christ. Many people will be fasting during this time. Uh, I, yes, I do recommend you stay faithful to church and are, you're there you know, every time that the doors are open and that you're, you know, I encourage you, we, we make these broadcasts available, the, the uh, private Facebook group where we'll be praying together and resources. Yes, do all that. But, you know, there, nothing wrong with engaging with other believers while you're fasting and praying at all. Number four, Cammie, she said, what was number four? I missed it. Number one was fasting's not optional. Number two, it's not giving up something. Number three, the Daniel fast is not a fast. Number four, people think it's just subduing your flesh only. That's what number four was. People think it's just subduing your flesh. That's not what it is. It's more than that. Number five is that fasting is not dangerous. Fasting is not dangerous. In fact, I list, I take a whole chapter to, to cite and list medical research that, uh, people have now found fasting holds amazing benefits for the physical body. Fasting number five is not dangerous. It's beneficial in the natural to your physical body. Let me list, let me list some of these things. If you've never heard this before, you don't know it. And by the way, you got to get this book because it gives you all the references. It gives you all the full right, write up on this stuff. But number one, it's a pattern of rest for your, for your body. It's a pattern of rest for your digestive system, your organs, the organs of your body. People don't realize 
how much um, preservatives and, and junk, they've proven this stuff, it's insane, how much preservatives, food colorings, junk is stored up in your body from this entire life of eating processed foods. And fasting is excellent for your body. Um, one, of the fi- one of the things that uh, we, I talk about here is that it, it helps people to get a handle on obesity. And I was, I was, I was listening to Joe Rogan, uh, his podcast, he had a doctor on that was a long life specialist. She now, and this blew my mind, she told, and I had to rewind this and listen multiple times because I, I couldn't believe that this was the truth. She said that over 50% of people in hospitals now are being treated for something called metabolic syndrome, which is made up of type two diabetes, high blood pressure, excess body fat, high triglyceride levels, and low levels of HDL cholesterol. No, you'll not lose too much weight, Aaron. You'll not lose too much weight. And so you you think about this. It, It really gets, it's one of the things that gets a handle on the flesh. Obesity is one of the biggest problems in our nation that's causing, look at that, 50% of people being treated in hospitals could literally uh, get out of that problem by their own discipline and their own diet. Fasting helps that. Helps you get a handle on it. It's good for your your, uh, liver and your kidneys. For your liver and your kidneys. I list things that are written by Dr. Don Colbert. It's good for your cholesterol, according to the Mayo Clinic. It's good for your insulin and insulin release. It's good for your blood pressure. It's good. Now this blew my mind. It's good for your stem cell reproduction. People don't realize when you get to a certain age in life, your stem cells stop reproducing. But according to these studies that they've been doing at MIT and the University of Southern California, they're finding now that if people will fast, no matter their age, it causes their stem cells to begin to reproduce again. Think about that. And, and you'll read about how important that is in the book. It can break uh, sugar addiction, breaks carb addiction, which is a big problem. Talk, I talk about how you'll feel when you're fasting and all that. It's excellent for your body. It's excellent for your body. I would say if possible, Connie, Try not to fill your body with excess sugar during the fast, if at all possible. Try not to to fill your body with excess sugar, which is one of the main problems in America right now. Do your best not to do that. So, you know, one of the things that I've been drinking a lot, I've switched over to these almost completely, is these Zevias. I mean, they have every flavor, but I like it because it's, it's sweetened with stevia, all natural stevia. There's not all these different chemicals and different products. It's literally just a few... Uh, a few different ingredients and there's nothing in it. It's GMO certified. It's, it's all natural sweetener. And you know, if you're going to drink something, why not drink something that's like that? That's good like that. Not like Red Bull and you know, just pumping yourself full of, that's why I don't, I tell people don't go out and drink like, you know, mochas and these big lattes and the, you know, <laughs> just like peppermint spice lattes. And it's like, you're pumping yourself, uh, full of sugar. Mary Andretta said, is there a certain age that you need to be careful when fasting? Uh, not to my knowledge. I, I read about a doctor who fasted when he was in his nineties and under, under doctor's care because he was studying the subject of fasting. He fasted, I, I believe for close to a hundred days 
uh, under medic under close medical supervision, and he began to uh, have all of his organs come back into full functionality. And they said in the end of the study, even his hair began to grow back at the end of fasting. And so fasting is a good thing for you. It's not bad to fast. It's good to fast. It's a good thing to fast. So I do write in this book about people always ask, well, what should I do if I'm on medication? And that's something that you, I'm not, a, obviously I'm not a medical professional. You have to deal with that between you and the Lord. One thing I do know is that the Bible says that as you fast and pray, your healing or your health will spring forth speedily. And we believe that, that healing power is released as you fast and pray. And so uh, I would encourage you to trust God for healing from those things as you're seeking his face and fasting and prayer. Uh, no, no question about it, Aaron. Refined sugar is as, uh, they've proven that. It's as addictive as cocaine is. They've proven that. And I, I, I totally believe it. I am a firsthand believer in that addiction. Very, very true. And so, um, <laughs> I'm not going to bring any skeletons out of my closet, but they are all caked in sugar. All my skeletons are caked in sugar. Um, so understand that, number five, it's not dangerous, it's good for you. Fasting is good for you. It's good for your body. Uh, you'll, be, you'll be amazed, if you're doing it properly, you'll be amazed at the mental clarity. I don't, you know, people say, I'm so, I'm just, I can't think, I can't. I never have felt like that, ever. I've never thought, felt like that. Anytime I've ever uh, done extended fasting and prayer, I don't get foggy mind and I can't think. And I'm so, I get so much clarity. It's almost like there's a fog lifted when I fast and pray. I get ideas left and right. I'm like, I, I just, it's like, I don't know. Everything becomes vibrant. It's like when you're not bogged down with all of this, and I don't know if it's just because you don't, your body doesn't have to work hard to digest a ton of foods. Um, it's almost like the way I began to feel when I started doing the keto diet for the first time and you didn't feel those heavy crashes after eating meals. You know, you have that, that you get real sleepy after you eat a heavy meal. Well, when you're doing something like the keto diet or you're fasting, you don't have that anymore. Your, your body's not working super hard to try to, uh, you know, to process that food and then you get so tired and you, I don't feel that way. Um, Janet said, is store-bought bottle smoothies okay? I, I rec, I mean, you know, do what you want, especially if you're a first time faster. I don't really recommend people are drinking a bunch of smoothies, you know, unless I said, as I said earlier, you're doing like heavy manual labor. You need that extra kick, you know, whatever, but we're not really doing like calorie heavy smoothies and, and stuff like that, unless you absolutely have to for your work. I encourage you to do like water. You know, do these if you want. There's no calories. You know, if you need flavor in your, for your mouth, whatever. Uh, water, bone broth, soup broth. If you need a little something, um, you know, tea, coffee, all of that stuff. Uh, Renee, you should not be fasting while breastfeeding. So the people that, we'll talk about this, the people that are, that are exempted from fasting, children, children should not uh, fast. Like I'm looking at my son running around. He's, he, I'm not going to put my five-year-old on a fast. I'm not gonna put my eight year old on a fast. Um, as they get older, they can start to make their, um, they can start to, to make their own choices. They want to get in a couple meals a day or whatever. My wife has done an awesome podcast on fasting for moms, uh, called should moms fast. We're going to pop that link in the, in the, uh, comments for you 
Renee, so that you can read this. But my, my wife did this episode on her podcast, Should Moms Fast? And it's a great episode. You can, re, you can listen to it. But we tell people, kids shouldn't be expected to fast. Pregnant mothers should not fast. Breastfeeding mothers should not fast. And, and why? Because God gave you that child as a gift. And that child needs to be taken care of. It needs nutrients. And you need to build those up. You'll have plenty of time in your life to fast if Jesus tarries um, to, to spend that time in fasting and prayer. But spend this time taking care of the gift that he gave you in that, in that child. My husband wants you to say loggers are exempt from fasting. If you're a logger, do six to six. You know what I mean? Do, do six to six. Um, Amy, I joined. Can you go over the drinks that are okay one more time before you close? Or just doing the basics. You know what I mean? We're doing, you know, water, juice, tea, coffee, you know, that, that kind of stuff. Soup broth, bone broth, you know, just, just liquids. I'm just telling people it's not a good idea. I mean, you can do what you want. I just don't think it's a great idea to just pack your body with sugar while you're fasting. Just pack your body with like, and I understand there's times people need it and everything. I get that. I'm not condemning you for it. I just think, for, especially for the health aspect, if you can, if you can, you, you shouldn't just pack your body full of sugar every day because we know how bad it is anyway. It's, it's, the, it's the culprit in America for a lot of the things that are happening in people's bodies. Let me give you number six. Number six, people think, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to get into all of that uh, with like amounts and how much can you have and how much can you drink and how much juice can you have and how much broth can you have. Just, you know, do just... Trust me when I tell you, you're going 21 days with no food in your body. You will absolutely be dedicated to God by not eating food. Don't overthink it. Don't get into ratios. Don't, you know, I, I, no, do just don't eat food, drink your liquids and watch what God will do as you fast and pray and seek his face. Um, that's correct, Connie. Six to six is no eating and then a meal after six o'clock. That's right. That's what, that's what they sun up. They call it sun up to sundown. Um, and then, and then you can eat after six o'clock, but I'm encouraging people. If you're doing six to six, only drink water for that time. Let me give you number six. Um, people think now we've gone from one end of the spectrum to the other first end of the spectrum. All fasting does is subdue your flesh. That's not true. But then they've got this other, people have this other belief system. Well, you know, you start fasting and praying and God, it doesn't change God. Fasting doesn't change God. He is the same. He said in the book of Malachi, I'm the Lord, your God. I don't change. I don't change. He's unchanging. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. They don't change. And I want you to think about this. My father has said this for years. God is the same before you fast, while you're fasting, and after you fast. God does not change. However, it doesn't mean that uh, you can't access his power or access his presence or access his blessings as you're fasting and praying. Of course you can. Of course you can. And here's the key. We do have to take action steps to receive the, the blessings of God. That's a great way to put it, Winona. Fasting changes me. Fasting doesn't change God. Fasting changes me. And, and here's the deal. That uh, as James wrote in the New Testament, 
we are required to draw near unto God and then he'll draw near unto us. What did I say um, earlier about Hebrews eleven six? God is looking for people who are uh, diligently seeking him. He said, if you'll do that, I'll reward you. Now, now catch this. Since God has never changed, this has always been his method, right? God didn't change. This has always been his method. If people would seek him, he'd reward them. If he would, if we would seek him, he'd reward them. What did he say? In, what does the Bible say in Job 36, 11? If people would only obey and serve me, they would spend their years or their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. They would spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. Job 36, 11. What is that? Seeking God diligently. It's just seeking God diligently. Psalm 84, 11. The Bible says he will not withhold any good thing from those who walk uprightly. What is that? Seeking him. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. The eyes of the Lord are going to and fro across the earth, looking for those whose hearts are turned toward him on whose behalf he will show himself strong and mighty. Hallelujah. Strong and mighty. Thank you, Jesus. And so that's the thing. As we seek him, he blesses us. Question here from, from Kathy. She said, what, what electrolytes do you recommend? Um, I have two that I'm going to put in the, the private Facebook group today because I do think it helps. Those things do help you. I, I know several people who got extremely low on electrolytes and it hurt them. Not from fasting, but they just weren't, they, they, all the electrolytes had gone out of their body. They had literally washed them out of their body, urinated them out. You can sweat, you know, when you sweat so much and you do all that, electrolytes are leaving your body and you can, you can over drink and, and urinate them out of your body. And they just had not putting, they'd not been putting the right salt content back in and potassium and all these things. It's not good for electrolytes to not be in your body. So there's one that I had been buying from uh, Dr. Eric Berg online. And I just really, really liked the way they tasted. I mean, there's no calories or anything like that. It's just electrolytes, but it tasted, it had like a pink lemonade flavor, which I really like pink lemonade. So I was using that because I really, I really liked the taste of it. There's another one that Amia sent to me on Instagram today. I'll post both of them in the, uh, in the private Facebook group today. So you can see them, even if you want to order some, or I'm sure GNC or anybody close by you has that stuff. Or even, Tiff, probably Walmart even has electrolyte powder, right? Don't you think? Yeah, it's everywhere. So yeah, you could go down to your local store and pick up electrolyte powder. I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it's hard to get, but it is good to have. You can throw it into your, um, you can throw it into your, uh, into your water or whatever. I will say I've been off it for a while, but we started, Tiffany and I started taking athletic greens, um, which is a really good greens powder that you can drink. I'll probably drink some of that as well, as well as we're going back on the fast, throw electrolytes into that. It has, what is it? Seven, over 70, 70 vitamins and minerals, something like that. It's got 70 different vitamins and minerals inside of it. Uh, it's called athletic greens. I think they've changed their name to AG1 or something like that but you can find it. It's really good stuff. It's a powder. You just pour it right into your water, mix it up, throw some electrolytes in, gives you all of your daily, daily vitamins, all of your daily minerals, and then you can add the electrolytes on top of that. You're good to go. It even has pro and prebiotics in it.
and uh, it's, it's just good for your body. And it tastes, I think it tastes good. Tiffany's not much of a fan of the taste. I love the taste. I think it tastes good. Especially when you add the pink lemonade electrolytes. You didn't like that? It almost has like a fruity pebbles taste, which I love is my favorite cereal. It does. It tastes just like fruity pebbles. So anyway, um, Deborah said, Ninja, what's salt and water for? Salt is an electrolyte. So you need salt in your body, Deb. And so when you get the potassium, the salt, and the things that you need, it's actually very helpful. You got to have it. And so, uh, you know, I, I normally don't get into too much um, practical stuff, but th this is important because people are going to be fasting for 21 days. Tabitha said, is it safe to work out, lift weights, and fast? No, do not work out while you're fasting for an extended period of time. That's my, that is my recommendation. Um, because here's the deal. I put that in the book too. You're going to be burning extra calories. It's going to make you hungrier. It's going to make you more tired. And it's just going to uh, increase the chances that you're going to break your fast early. So I would say, remember this. Fasting is a time to get away from your normal routine and seek the face of God. People used to shut themselves away and seek the face of God. Some used to go out into the wilderness. We are, obviously aren't doing that. But I'm telling you, uh, I don't recommend working out during extended fasting because I mean, think about it. It's like you saying like my body, what's the whole point? I'm subduing my flesh, but people that are so locked into their CrossFit into their workout plan, their gains. And it's like, my body's more important than my spiritual, you know, that's, that's basically what it's saying. My body's more important than my spiritual, uh, uh, motivation to grow. And, and, and it can't be that way. People, there were, I'll tell you this, there are literally Christians that won't fast because they don't want to lose their workout gains. There are Christians who won't fast because they don't want to lose their workout gains. That is the epitome of carnality, that you value your flesh more than your spirit. That's the epitome of carnality. So just be very careful with that. I had a cousin one time that uh, we were in the midst of 21 days of fasting and uh, he ran a marathon. I put this in the book. He, put, he ran a marathon in the morning, came to revival service at night. He was up on a, a platform and he was running a, a television camera, passed out. <laughs> he passed out in the midst of the service and fell backwards off of the platform, like pulled the, pulled the camera. It's like, dude, could have killed yourself because you wanted to run a marathon in the midst of a fast. It's like, don't do that. Don't work out and make it harder on yourself. It's already difficult on the flesh to not eat for 21 days. Don't make it more difficult on your flesh. Don't make it more difficult. Let me say number seven. The seventh lie I wanna to cover today before we pray is that people believe that only certain people should fast. Well, that's for preachers. That's for preachers. That's for, that's for evangelists. You know, that's for those, that's for like the elite Christians. People get this idea like it's only for, you can have lemon water. It's only for the, you know, these, this is for my pastor to do. You know, this is, this is for my, you know, this is, this is for evangelist Ted and Carolyn to do. This, this is for them. This is not for the everyday Christian. This is only if you're like in the ministry. Nope, that's not true. So this is only for people that are in the ministry. No, it's not. No, it's not. Um, hear me now. It's for every believer. And here's what I want you to see. Every one of us, listen, whether we're ministry gifts or not, 
Doesn't matter if you're a pastor. Doesn't matter if you're an evangelist, an apostle, prophet, or teacher. We're all first Christians who have to access the, the blessings and promises of God. You know, realize this. You don't access the blessings and promises of God more easily because you're an evangelist. Everyone has to access them the same way. Everybody has to seek God the same way. So just because I'm a preacher, it doesn't mean that like, you know, you guys are here and I'm up here closer to heaven. So I, I have an easier access to get those blessings. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. All of us are first Christians and have to access the blessings and the favor of God for ourselves. You know, just because it's like, for example, let's take financial blessing. I have to tithe too. I give too. I give largely. I still bless the poor. You know, I'm not exempted from those things because I'm a minister, right? Uh, and that's a great way to look at it. Spitfire Weezy said, we're all in the, uh, in the ministry. I totally agree. We're all in the ministry. Everybody has a part to play in the ministry. The Great Commission is not written to the fivefold ministry gifts. It's written to every Christian, every Christian right? We're all, that's right, Ninja. We're all a part of the body of Christ. Every one of us are. And so we have to treat it like that. We have to look at ourselves as though we are in the ministry because God's got something for you to do. He's got something for me to do. And the only way we're going to accomplish our purpose is to seek his face, to obtain his blessings and to move forward in the power of God. And so don't, don't look at it like that and say, well, you know, I don't need to get into that. I'm not like a pastor or anything. I'm not like an evangelist. I'm not a teacher. No, no, no. You're a Christian. And as we said from the beginning, Christ is looking at his people and expecting their dedication. All a disciple is, I want you to think about it. All a disciple is, think about the root word. You're a disciple. That is somebody who is emulating the disciplines of their master. That is what a disciple truly is. Someone who follows the teachings, the parameters, and the disciplines of their master. I'm a disciple. So that means I follow the expectations, the teaching, and the disciplines of Christ. That's what a Christian is. And so... I love this because even Paul, the apostle said, you know what? Um, even in the times when I can't come to you, to your churches and travel there, he said, emulate me, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Do what I do, live like I live. And I love this. I put it in the book too. Uh, same in, in further faster. I put it in my book further faster. Even when Paul couldn't be there, he would send Timothy. And you know what the Bible says? I'm sending Timothy to you who will teach you to live like I live. You see that? He will teach you to live like I live. And so the disciples are those who emulate the disciplines of their master. And that's what we're doing. Jesus was a man of fasting and prayer. The apostles, men of fasting and prayer. Early church, people of fasting and prayer. The Old Testament saints, people of fasting and prayer. And there are blessings there are blessings attached to fasting and prayer, supernatural blessings, supernatural blessings. When we come back live on Sunday night, 
I'm going to teach and explain to you what you should expect as we fast and pray these 21 days. I'm going to give you supernatural things to expect to put down and say, you know what, before this fast comes to an end, this is what I'm going to see. This is what I'm going to have. So again, here's the schedules we're moving forward. Our fast begins on Sunday. Somebody asked what time on Sunday are we, are we starting the fast? No, we, we are, st- when you wake up Sunday morning, you are fasting, you are fasting. And so every day that I am able, that we're not in revival, I'll be on these plat- on these platforms live with you at 9 p.m. Remember this now, it's 9 p.m., 9 p.m. Eastern time. If you're out of the country, that's New York City time. 9 p.m. New York City time, uh, all these nights of the fast, except for the nights we're in revival, but for sure this upcoming week, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then we're leaving out, to uh, Indiana on Friday to start our revival, but I'm gonna do my very best. I have to look at the flight schedule to go live at night when we arrive uh, out in Indiana for that Friday night. I'll probably be able to do it from my phone, but I don't know what time we land. Do you know what time we land? You don't? But as long as we're there by nighttime and I can get on the phone and do it, uh, but I can, uh, once I figure it out, I can make some announcements on the night broadcast. But I'm gonna be with you every time I can uh, for the fast, of course, uh, our, usually all of our revivals are live on, on social media as well. Um, so Kathy said, so when the fast has ended on the 22nd, do you wait and eat until the 23rd? Um, no, yeah, normally what we do is, um, I think in previous years, what we've done is, uh, because we, we have our last meal on like the night before the fast starts. So the full 21 days ends like on the night of the 22nd. So normally what we do is a final uh, live stream. I think we did this last year, right? We did a final live stream on the last night, a communion service, a prayer uh, service to, to pray for your prayer requests. We had communion together and then we broke our fast after the broadcast was over. So uh, that's probably gonna be the exact same this year. Are we back home on the 22nd? It's a Saturday, so we're home. So we're going to do the same thing. We're going to have a live communion service um, on the 22nd, taking your prayer requests, praying together, expecting great things for the year, and then we'll break after the broadcast on the 22nd. Um, Ninja said, will you be live on Facebook or Instagram? I'm going to be live on these same channels every night, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, uh, every, every single night. And um, it's going to be great. It's going to be absolutely great. Again, these two books are going to be uh, very helpful to you if you don't have them during the fast. A Complete Guide to Biblical Fasting, 240 pages covering everything you need to know about fasting. And this is the guide that's taking us through 21 days. Uh, This is the field guide. 21 days of fasting and prayer. Get these two. You can grab them on Amazon. You can get the ebook today on Kindle or Apple. And let me say, for those of you that have already placed an order and you're waiting, once again, if you want something starting on Sunday to go through for this, send an email to Jenna at MiracleWord.com. Show her the proof, screenshot. I bought it. It's not going to be here until like the 6th or 7th. We're going to send you a digital copy so you can go along with us uh, as we're getting ready to start. Let me pray for you today. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, as we get ready to cross over into a new year, we're so thankful for all that you did in 2021. 
Thank you for every blessing. Thank you for keeping us from every attack of the enemy. Thank you for watching over us. Thank you that we're still here, though others are not. We are still here. Thank you for protecting us and keeping us. Thank you for blessing our children, our families. Thank you, Lord, that sickness and disease have to stay far from us. We thank you that anxiety and depression have to stay far from us. Now, Lord, as we get ready to cross over into a new year, we expect the blessings of heaven to come upon our families and to come upon our homes. Lord, I pray that there would be such an influx of your presence and power and your manifestations in this new year that it would blow the minds of natural men who are seeing what's going on in our lives and in our homes and our families in Jesus' name. We thank you for that. Now, Lord, let it be our year, as we've confessed, of divine possession. We'll have what we've never had. We'll do what we've never done. We'll go where we've never gone in Jesus' mighty name. Let it be a year of open doors for your people. We thank you for it. Let answers to prayer come quickly in Jesus' name. Turn them into praise reports, and you'll get all the praise, and you'll get all the glory in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Pray you touch those that are watching and listening that need a, a miracle from heaven. In the wonderful name of Jesus, we thank you. We give you praise for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. It's an interesting day. It's the last day that you have available to release a seed into the kingdom of God before we cross over into 2022. So I want to encourage you on this final day of the year to sow a seed, a first fruit seed into the kingdom that maybe you've never done something at that level before. But I want you to go to MiracleWord.com. Maybe you've never partnered with us. Why don't you set a New Year's resolution and say, you know what? In the new year, I'm going to be standing with Ted and Carolyn. I'm going to be praying for that ministry. I'm going to be sowing on a monthly basis. And set up that today and stand with us as we're touching this final generation before Jesus comes. But what can you do? Here's the question. We're getting ready to drop a seed tonight, my wife and I that's gonna be the largest first fruit seed we've ever sown in history. And I want you to do the same. I want you to step out by faith. Those of you that you're connected to this ministry, you're part of the Victory Tribe. What can you do to move the hand of God? What is it that will put you in position for the greatest financial year you've ever had? And then do what the Lord asks you to do. It's very easy. Go to miracleword.com. And you can sow debit card, credit card. You can use digital payments to give. But let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us before we sow this final seed of 2021, before we cross over. Hear the voice of God and what he's asking you to do. Father, would you speak to every man and woman today? What seed would you have us to sow that will put us in position for what you have planned for this upcoming year? We thank you, Lord, that you're canceling debt we thank you, Lord, student loans are, are being erased. Thank you that mortgages and car payments and credit card debt being erased. We will stand debt-free in the mighty name of Jesus. We'll have more than enough. We'll be generous sowers in your kingdom. We thank you for that, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, whatever the Lord tells you to do, go ahead and do it this month of December. Today's the last day, by the way. <clears throat> We're sending you this book by Pastor Mark Hankins as our way to say thank you. It is faith opens the door to the supernatural. Faith opens the door to the supernatural. Pastor Mark Hankins, uh, for those that are sowing $85 or more, uh, for those that are sowing that seed of $1,000, we're going to be sending along with this book uh, a life application study Bible. 
in genuine leather. And for those that are sewing $5,000 by faith, we're going to send you the Elite Study Collection. And uh, in this keepsake box, the best study materials, I believe, for those that are going deeper in Bible study, over 100,000 notes on scripture, it will bless you. These are some of my favorite resources that we've included in the box. I love you guys. I want to say to every one of you, Happy New Year. I'm so happy that we're connected. I'm so glad that we're together. Again, if you haven't um, gone and, and, and requested to become a part of the private Facebook group for the fast, I want to encourage you to do that right after the broadcast today. If you don't know how to get there, go to our website, miracleword.com, and on the homepage as you scroll down, you'll see the button that'll take you directly to that private Facebook group, the Victory Tribe 21 Day Fast. Request to join, we'll let you in. All of our discussion is going to be in there, answering questions, giving you resources, praying with you, all the things that we're going to do together, we're going to do there so that we're all in one place. Uh, with each other. It's going to be the best place to facilitate that. Jump on with us and we're starting on Sunday. Have an excellent New Year's Eve. Have an excellent New Year's Day. I love you very much and I'll see you again on Sunday night. God bless you. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.